Welcome to the AWM Minute, a small glimpse on how your partnership with Andrew Womack Ministries and Karis Bible College is saving lives around the world. When Gina Boop fell into a stage five brain aneurysm, her husband Bud was told that she would not be walking out of the hospital alive. The neurologist comes in, he, he examines her and tells me 10% chance she survives that. Being a longtime follower of Andrew's teachings, Bud learned from the healing journey of Alan Moore how he had to keep all negativity from being spoken over his wife, even negativity from the doctors. I said, if you have anything else to say as far as Gina's concerned, say it outside the room because none of that's going to happen to her. She's been healed by Jesus Christ. And when you walk away from this, you're gonna go, holy cow, this is a miracle. Bud's persistence paid off, and today, Gina is indeed a walking miracle thanks to the teachings made available through our friends and partners. To see Gina's full healing journey, visit awmi.net today. Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. We have a better covenant upon better promises and we have a better relationship with God. All these things we strive for and work for and hope for and pray for, we already have those things because Jesus gave it all to us. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Thursday's broadcast of The Gospel Truth. Today, I'm nearing the end of my second week of teaching on what I've called hardness of heart. And I tell you, this is powerful. These are just these are so foundational, the truths that I'm sharing, that this is something I use every day of my life about how I need to keep my heart sensitive to God and what causes our heart to be sensitive. And so I really encourage you to get these materials. And remember that tomorrow is going to be our Good Friday broadcast, and our uh, staff has Good Friday off, and so you won't be able to call in tomorrow. You'll be able, you'll just get an answering machine if you do that. If you want to order these products, please order today. I really encourage that. And somebody says, but I've heard you teach all of this. Why do I need to get the product? For one thing, you need to go over and over and over this. I've taught this literally hundreds of times. And every time I teach it, it impacts me again. It makes me focus back on this. And so I, I go back and I think about these things all of the time. Plus, this is a great way for you to share this with other people. You can share it in CD or in DVD form or in book form. And again, our offices are going to be closed tomorrow, so you need to call today. We'll be giving out all of the information at the end of our program. If, you, if you've just tuned in, I've been talking about this for nearly a full two weeks, and I've covered a lot of material, but a hardened heart isn't something that just, uh, you know, is symptomatic of people who are God-haters. People who love God can be cold, insensitive, unfeeling, or unyielding to God in some area of their life. Matter of fact, I would tend to say that that's probably typical. The average Christian is insensitive to hearing God's voice or flowing in healing or walking in the prosperity that God has. And the reason for it is because of a hardness of heart. You know, one of the things that helped me to realize this is that I've, I've focused on... Uh, people who have ministries overseas, like one of them was T.L. Osborne, another one was Reinhard Bonnke, and there's just a number of people that I've heard on television, and they talk about that over in these foreign lands, they see great miracles happen. And I've experienced this myself when I go to 
you know, some of these uh, Central American countries, when I've been to Africa and, um, you know, just different places, India and different places, you see miracles happen on a scale over there that you don't typically see happen in America. Matter of fact, I heard T.L. Osborne one time being interviewed on television, and he was talking about this very thing and said that he very seldom, if ever, finishes a message overseas because the people will start just receiving the truths that he's saying. He'll talk about healing. He'll give testimonies and people will just start being healed. And I mean, the healing power of God will flow and he'll just have to start responding to it and giving an invitation. And he said he seldom ever gets through with the message without miracles just happening overseas. And then the question came, well, what about in the U.S.? And he says, I never get interrupted in the U.S. He says, I have to, it's harder to get people healed here. And when he said this, I was wondering about why. That is, some people think that there's just a special anointing overseas and that God does things uh, for whatever reason, maybe because these people have never heard the gospel before and they have to have it confirmed with signs and wonders following. I don't believe that that's true. I don't believe that it's God who is doing something special in these more remote, undeveloped areas. You know what I believe the difference is? It's the condition of people's hearts. People in the United States are hardened, insensitive towards God. They don't have the same desperation, the same commitment. In the United States, you know, we now have accommodated the handicap, which I'm not saying it's bad to do that, but I'm saying that people that have problems here, they can cope. They get money from the government if they can't work. If they're disabled, they can get equipment that will help them. I just talked to a man and prayed with him on the phone this week that is paralyzed, can't talk, can't do anything, but he's got a computer screen that he types with his eyes. He looks at the letters and it types things out. It's amazing how that we have come up with things that allow us to cope and to deal with it. And because of it, there are some people that just aren't as desperate. They aren't seeking. They aren't as, a, as sensitive to receiving their healing directly from the Lord because they've got all of these coping mechanisms. But I heard T.L. Osborne specifically give the testimony about a woman who was crippled from the waist down and she took a bus for one or two days and then she went as far as the bus could go. She took a taxi and she went as far as the taxi could go and there was like a million people or something at this crusade and she had to be dropped off way on the far side of the property and she drug herself with her arm. She didn't have a wheelchair. She drug herself across a field and propped herself up at the edge of the group of people up against a tree and she was sitting there. She, that woman was so hungry, so committed to healing that when T.L. Osborne started quoting that by his stripes, you were healed. She had never heard that. And when she heard it, she just started pulling herself up that tree and commanding her legs to walk and work. And all of a sudden her, her legs received strength. She was over her paralysis. She started praising God and the whole service was interrupted. She came down front, gave her testimony, and that was the end of his preaching. Miracles just started happening. See, it wasn't that God wants to heal her more than He wants to heal people in the United States or Europe or wherever. It's that we have become so sophisticated. We consider so much other stuff. 
Lots of times people in these other countries, they are superstitious, which I'm not saying that that's a good thing, but they are open to the supernatural. People in developed countries, oh, this stuff doesn't happen. And we just ridicule that. And we believe it's childish and immature. It's nothing but fantasy to believe that a person could just be healed without doing it through medicine or through something physical. And you know what that does? It hardens our hearts towards the supernatural. This is the reason that we don't see the miracles that sometimes other people see. Let me just, let me use another example, a personal example that one of the very first people, I've seen, I think, four people raised from the dead, including my own wife and son. And that's miraculous in itself. But the very first time that I ever saw a person raised from the dead, I was in Pritchett, Colorado, and it was a person who was a member of my church. And anyway, it's a long story, but God raised him from the dead. It was supernatural. And I was so pumped after this happened. I believed that it was God's will to do those things. And the scripture says in John chapter 14, verse 12, that Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall ye do also, and greater works than these shall ye do, because I go unto my Father. So I believed that, and I had been preaching it, and I had seen miracles happen. I'd seen blind eyes open. I'd seen things happen. And when I saw the very first person raised from the dead, it's like I knew this was true. Now I had it confirmed, and I just was so confident that if I could see blind eyes open, I could see anything happen. If I could see the dead raised, I could see anything happen. And so I went to a meeting in Omaha, Nebraska, and there was a man down on the front row to my left. He was in a wheelchair. He was quadriplegic. And I was just thinking the whole time, I could hardly wait for me to get through preaching because I thought, man, I just saw a man raised from the dead. I've tapped into the power of God. God's power is flowing through me. And if I could see a person raised from the dead, I can certainly see him come out of a wheelchair. So as soon as the service was over, I jumped off the stage. I went running down there and I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I just command you to be healed. And I reached out and grabbed his hand and I yanked him out of that wheelchair. And the guy just fell right over on his face. And he was quadriplegic. He couldn't catch himself. And when that happened, man, fear hit my heart. Shame hit me. I got to thinking, what is everybody going to think? You could hear them gasp. I mean, it's like they sucked all of the air out of the room. I got to thinking lawsuit. I had all kinds of negative things happen. And I remember getting down on my hands and knees and wrestling this guy, grabbing him, putting him back in his wheelchair and say, depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. But I didn't give him what he needs. That's a scripture that talks about hypocrisy or People saying, depart in peace and be warmed and filled, and yet you don't give them what they need. I didn't give this guy what he needed. And anyway, it was, it was embarrassing. It was hard, not only for me, but for that man. I felt bad for him. And I went to my hotel room, and I remember just crying out, God, what's going on? And of course, many of you listening to this story think, well, you just were full of unbelief. Give me a break. How many of you have grabbed somebody out of a wheelchair and seen them fall over on their face? I expected this man to be healed or I wouldn't have done it. There was faith, but yet I didn't see that faith produce the results that I wanted. 
and it confused me. And for a number of years, I was just struggling and saying, God, what's going on? And then after I saw these truths that I was talking about, you know, that how your heart can become hardened because you're considering all of these other things. And I began to realize that what the problem was, I was just too sensitive to what other people thought, what I even thought, but especially what other people thought. And that was a hindrance to my faith. And to put this in its proper perspective, let me give you a comparison. That I read a book about Smith Wigglesworth. He was a man that uh, I think he died about the time that I was born, somewhere in the 19... I, I was born in 49, 1949. I think that's about the time that Smith died. But he saw a number of people raised from the dead. And this one book that I read about him, uh, he always started his services by saying the first person to come up here on the stage will be healed of whatever problem they've got. And he would pray for them and see the person healed. And then he would preach his sermon about faith and about how it worked. And then he would give the invitation to have people come forward. But that's the way he would start his meetings is just to say the first person to come up on the stage will be healed of whatever problem you've got. And so people knew that this was going to happen. And there were these two ladies who brought a friend. And this lady was an elderly lady and she had a tumor in her belly. It made her look like she was nine months pregnant. And she was so weak that she couldn't stand or walk on her own. These two friends had her, one on each side. So as soon as Smith said, I'll, uh, the first person to come up here on the stage will be healed of whatever problem you've got, they immediately jumped up there and were holding this woman in front of Smith Wigglesworth. And so Smith, the way he responded was, he says, let her go. And these women says, we can't let her go. She's not strong enough to stand on her own. And he raised his voice and he said, I said, let her go. So they let her go, and this woman fell forward on that tumor that was in her belly and let out a groan of pain. You could hear the whole audience moan, and it was the exact same response that happened when I pulled this man out of a wheelchair and he fell on his face. It didn't change immediately, and all of the people there were gasped. There were, uh, I'm sure, thoughts of unbelief and anger and shame and things like this. The way I responded when I pulled the man out of the wheelchair and he landed on his face is that I responded. I was bothered. I was swayed by what I knew everybody else was thinking. I was swayed by my own thoughts of unbelief. How did Smith respond? He just said, pick her up. So they picked this woman up and this woman was standing there in between her two friends. And he said the second time, let her go. And they said, we can't let her go. She'll, and she'll fall on her face. And he raised his voice and he said, let her go. And they let her go. And the second time this woman fell on top of that tumor and let out a groan. And again, there's all of these groans and all of this negative response. How did Smith respond? He didn't respond to any of that. He just said, pick her up. So the third time this woman is standing in between her friends and Smith says, let her go. And the women said, we will not let her go. And Smith said, I said, let her go. And the women wouldn't do it. And a man in the audience stood up and he said, you beast, leave that poor woman alone. And Smith yelled at him and said, I know my business. You mind your own business. And he yelled at these women, let her go. And they let her go. And this woman started to fall, but she caught herself. And that tumor fell out of her dress on the stage. It fell off of her and she was miraculously healed. So contrast these two things. 
Smith didn't get any better response the first time he prayed for that woman than I got when I tried to pray for this man that was in a wheelchair. But you know the difference was? He wasn't moved by what other people thought. He wasn't moved. He didn't care about his reputation. He didn't care if people thought that somehow or another he was a charlatan or whatever the thoughts were. He was hardened towards that. Matter of fact, this very book that I read, it was his son-in-law that wrote about him, and his son-in-law said that this was one of the criticisms that Smith got constantly was that he was just hard on people. He actually took a baby one time that had a water on the brain, a swollen head, and he took this, I don't know, one or two-year-old baby, and he was on the stage, and he kicked the baby into the front row. That's terrible. I'm not advocating that you do that, but I'm saying he did it, and when the baby landed in the front row, he was totally healed. And he would poke people, and he would hit them, and he would yell and do things, and people would criticize him and say, you're hard. And he says, look, I'm not mad at people. I'm just after the devil. I can't help it if their body gets in the way. He was single. All he was doing was considering what God said. You lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Well, I also considered that, but you know what? I also considered people's reaction. I also thought about the person I was ministering to, how he was probably embarrassed, and I was just sensitive to what other people thought. I was sensitive to thoughts of lawsuit or whatever, and those things hinder and dilute your faith. And let me just propose that I didn't have any less faith than Smith Wigglesworth did. The only difference was I had more fear. I was more sensitive to, I was more swayed by public opinion and stuff like this, and that diluted and hindered my faith from performing. Or we could go back to Abraham. Remember, I used these verses on yesterday's program that it says when he, it was time for him to receive his child, it says that he was not weak in faith. He considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. One of the things that, that I was teaching that your heart becomes sensitive to whatever you consider, and whatever you fail to consider, you become hardened to. Smith had just reached a place that I hadn't reached at that time, and I'm not sure that I've totally reached there now, but Smith was to a place where he just didn't give a rip what anybody else thought about him. He didn't care. He knew what God had told him, that if he laid hands on the sick, they would recover, and he wasn't going to quit with this woman that had the tumor until he saw her completely healed. And he didn't care if she fell on the floor once or twice or five times or whatever. He knew that he was going to see this happen, and he didn't care what people thought. I wasn't to that place. I was considering other people. I was too dependent, codependent upon people's approval and what they thought of me and it hindered my faith. And I'm using myself as an example in this, but I can guarantee you, people watching this program, you do the same thing. There are people that... I can give you an example. I can, I've got many examples, but here's one example of a woman who lived in... Um, well, I won't tell you exactly where she lived, lest it gives something away. But anyway, this woman lived about 13 miles away from where I did, they brought me over there to talk to her, and she had cancer. And her, her cancer, she had these big old tumors that were this big. 
One was on the back of a shoulder. One was on her side under her arm and one was on the inside of her uh, thigh. And she had these three tumors and they were, uh, uh, her blood vessels were exposed. They were spurting blood. I mean, this woman was given up to die. She was sent home to die. The doctor said that the cancer was too advanced. There's nothing that they could do. And they sent her home to die. And she had these bandages all over her and blood. And it was just a terminal situation. And they'd only given her a week or so to live. Anyway, I went and talked to her told her that it was God's will for her to be healed. And she had never heard this. The Lord opened up her heart and she says, well, I want you to pray for me. And I said, well, you know what? I want you to come over to a Bible study tonight. It was 13 miles away. And this woman was on her last leg. Most people would think that's insensitive. But you know, this is what Jesus told people to do. He told a blind man to walk three quarters of a mile through a busy Jerusalem street with mud and spit dripping off of his eyes so that he could go wash in the pool of Siloam. He gave people something to do when they were paralyzed and couldn't move their arm. He'd say, stretch forth your hand. And they couldn't do it. But as they would start trying, as they would take a step of faith, the power of God would hit them. So I told this woman, I said, look, you come over to this Bible study 13 miles away tonight and I'll pray for you and you'll be healed. And she says, I can't do that. I'm bedfast. And I said, if they were to tell you that you could go two hours away to a hospital and you would be healed, I said, you'd do it if you had to rent an ambulance. I said, if you really believe that God's going to heal you, then do something. Act in faith. Take a step of faith. So anyway, this woman borrowed a station wagon. They put a mattress in the back and they laid her in the back of this station wagon and her husband and her two daughters came over. I prayed for her. And I mean, within a day or two, those tumors had shrunk to the size of a quarter. There was no more bleeding. They, had, they were just leaving. And this woman decided that she would go back to the doctor and show him what happened. So she went to the doctor. He was, he was so amazed. He sent her to a specialist, uh, I don't know, 10 hours away, 10 hour drive away or something. She went down there and this specialist looked at her and he says, man, these are just little skin things. They aren't melanoma. They aren't cancerous. He says, I can cut these off in the doctor's office. He just did this. And he says, but just to be sure, let's give you radiation. So they gave her radiation treatments. And anyway, she had an allergic reaction to it and nearly died. Stayed in the intensive care for over a week. She finally came back home. And when she came back home, I went to visit her and she was telling me about all this. And I said, look, you know that Jesus healed you. I said, before the doctors did anything, those things moved from those big old tumors down to just the size of a quarter. I said, Jesus healed you. You don't need this, this chemotherapy or, or radiation, whatever it was that they were doing. I said, that stuff will kill a well person. And, and the reason I'm bringing this whole story out is that she had faith to be healed. That's the reason that she saw these things disappear. But when I encouraged her to just stand on what God has done and don't submit yourself to these treatments that are so damaging to you. She says, but my family, they don't understand. They think you have to do everything the doctor said. I said, it wasn't the doctors that got you healed. You were healed before you went down there to that doctor. I said, God supernaturally healed you. And she says, but the people at my church, they won't understand. And she was so worried about what everybody else said that she went ahead and went through the next round of these treatments. And anyway, she had another allergic reaction and died. And I can tell you, that woman had faith. That woman believed and she was healed. 
but she was so concerned about everybody else. She was considering what everybody else thought, and Satan used that as an inroad to steal away her life. I'm telling you, you have to get to a place like Smith Wigglesworth was to where you're hardened towards anything. Not that you hate people, not that you say that they're evil. It, they may be mean well, but, but they're wrong. But you have to go by what God has told you. I could give you examples. I've got testimonies. I've got the testimony of Gina Boop and uh, Scott Peterson. And in both of those cases, their mates just got uh, adamant and wouldn't allow anybody to say anything contrary, not even doctors. They would kick them out of the room. And as a result, they saw miraculous healings take place. I'm out of time today, but again tomorrow, I'm going to be explaining this in more detail. I've got this book on hardness of heart in English and in Spanish. We've got CDs and DVDs. And remember that tomorrow, not today, but tomorrow, our phone center will be closed for Good Friday. So if you're going to call, you need to call today and request these materials. Andrew's complete series titled Hardness of Heart is available in either a CD or DVD album and a book in either English or Spanish. Each of these valuable resources is available for a gift of any amount when you write or call. This entire series is also available for audio download absolutely free from our website. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get this teaching. You can get these products as part of the Hardness of Heart package, which includes both books and your choice of either CD or DVD albums from both Hardness of Heart and How to Become a Water Walker. The Hardness of Heart package has a catalog value of $75, but you can receive all of these valuable resources for just $55. Andrew's book, Hardness of Heart, is also available for a gift of any amount when you write or call. We encourage everyone to give because there's a blessing in giving. But if you're simply unable to afford it, Andrew and his partners will provide this book to you free of charge. On today's broadcast, Andrew mentioned the healing journeys of Gina Boop and Scott Peterson. You can view both of these stories as well as many others at awmi.net. These stories are also included on the Healing Journeys Volume 6 DVD. Go to awmi.net to get your copy today. There are still millions more out there seeking the truth that set us free. You can reach people like me who are trapped in their home and not aware of the fullness of what the gospel says, that we can be free from everything the enemy tried to put on us. I would not be here if it wasn't for this ministry. Become a partner today. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download additional free resources. Or call our helpline Monday through Friday from 4.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. Mountain Time at 719-635-1111. To write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. 
This is the last night of our 2019 Healing is Here conference, and I tell you, it has been spectacular. We were having a panel discussion, and right in the middle, we had a woman just come down to the front carrying her little baby, probably was less than a year old. When they brought the baby up here, they said it quit breathing. Well, all of us were praying. We say you will breathe strong, healthy breasts. I saw that baby just laying there motionless, and then all of a sudden, its arms just popped up. Thank you, Father, for resurrection life. Yes. In this child, in Jesus' name. Same. That baby may have died in front of us, but that's not the last report. No! <laughs> if you weren't a part of this, if you didn't see it by our live stream, well then go check it out. And next year, plan to be with us in 2020 for our Healing Is Here conference in August. You'll be blessed.